Welcome to the recap. This week, the uh, the acronym is Reeling Every Catfish and Perch. That's good. Clearly have fishing on the brain. This weekend is the Minnesota Fishing Opener. Anyway, and Daniel's not here, so he can't stop me. Are you going fishing this weekend? No, but we are doing the... Uh, um, the little fishing thing at church that Mike Hoisington is leading. That's right. So that's right. That should be fun. Um, so anyway, the recap is actually where we recap the sermon from this last week. So Dave is here. Hi, Dave. Hello. How was uh, how was your time away? Time away. Didn't you you were gone for the? Oh wait, that's because you didn't preach. That's right. Yeah, you were here, but um, Daniel Sukup and Caleb Figures did the sermons. Yes. Yeah, that's what yes. it was. Yeah. So, all right, well, cool. Well, you're back in the saddle again. To quote, yeah, it's been a it's been a few weeks now, actually. So, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, <laughs> let's just get into the text. You were looking at me like bail me out, and I just didn't. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so Genesis ten and eleven. Um, what was where, where were we in Genesis ten and eleven, Dave? Yeah, so Genesis 10 is a genealogy, a long genealogy. All sorts of fun names that Daniel apparently has a recording of me reading. That's right, from our sermon (laughs) series preparation group. Yeah, he did record you doing that whole thing, I think. It was bad. And then the end of of Genesis 11 is another genealogy. And so the, the first place we looked at is genealogies, remembering why they're there. And I said they're there to show us that God is working in real history with real people in real places. And uh, I also mentioned that the genealogy in chapter 10 is a general genealogy, and oftentimes what we'll see with authors is they emphasize where they really want you to notice. Mm -hmm. So at the end of Genesis 11, we zero in on the genealogy of the line of promise that gets us all the way from Noah to Abram. And so we can see the author in the genealogy highlighting real time, real people, real places, real history. And then we can see him at the end of 11 say, and now really focus in on this particular thing that God is doing. So that was the first part. Uh, The second part was just talking about the Tower of Babel. And, 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 you know, again, a a real thing that happened, but we used it to to talk about pride, the prideful self-preservation uh, God had told them to go and fill the earth and multiply and spread his image and his glory and his presence. And they said, well, what if we stayed <laughs> and made a great name for ourselves instead of spreading his name and his fame, we'll, we'll spread our name mm-hmm. and our fame. And then we'll get to stay here and be comfortable and happy. And, uh, and God said no, and he disperses them all over the face of the earth. And then what we did is we looked at how as the Bible unfolds, there's several places where we just see God, number one, go and rescue those people that he dispersed. So the, the Great Commission, mm-hmm. go therefore and make disciples of all nations, knowing that I have all the power and I'll be with you. And, uh, and then we see Acts 2, the reversal of the Tower of Babel, when there are people gathered and they have different languages. And as they're gathered, God, instead of dispersing them with different languages, he gathers them and undoes the confusion of their languages so that they can praise his name. So instead of a a people scattered with different languages who were trying to make much of themselves, they're gathered, their language confusion is undone, and they make much of Jesus. 
And then that's all heading towards those scattered peoples that are being rescued, eventually being gathered again around the throne of grace to say, worthy is the lamb that was slain Mm -hmm. to receive blessing and honor and glory and thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, that was really striking just to see Acts 2 as the reversal of Babel. Yeah. And then all of it culminating in gathering instead of being scattered, every tribe and tongue and language being gathered around the throne. It, uh, it really highlights just the whole storyline of the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that it, I just realized, it, it kind of struck me the benefit of multiple readings of the Bible. Because So like the first time you read through, you get to the end of the genealogy and you see Abram. Mm-hmm. And you might not know who that is, you know? Yep. And so it's like, oh, it's just another name. Another guy. Yep, another guy. But after you know where the story is going... And how uh, integral Abram and Abraham yeah. uh, is to the whole storyline of the Bible. Yep. Now you get there and you read it and you're like, and Terra fathered Abram. Yep. And you're like, oh man, yeah. he's here. You know, yep. like, yep. And so just that anticipation that it builds because you know where the story is going. And so I was like, man, it's just, it's highlighting for me like the benefit of reading the Bible enough to where you're familiar with the storyline so yeah. that you can see those things and that the Lord like does something in your heart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some, someone said to me their favorite part about Genesis so far is that they used to view Genesis as just a series of stories, mm-hmm. and now they see it... This was very artistic, but I thought it was good. Now they see it as as pearls on a string. So they're all connected. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they're all part of this, this one thing going mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, so, and I think because people have read Genesis a lot, yeah. there's a lot of familiarity, but what seems like it's newer for people is seeing how it connects to the rest of the story. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, that just hit me when I saw Abram's name there. I was like, yeah. oh, there he is. Yeah. It's, you know, God's doing it. Yeah, that's right. So um, one question that, that came up actually in our small group as we were discussing the sermon. So you made a big point um, where it a says that point. a little point, God had to come down and, you know to see their little tower, you know, and it's like, oh, good for you. You put a few blocks together, you know, like that type of thing. Um, But in the verse before that, God says, behold, man has become, you know, too powerful and there's nothing that they put their minds to that they can't do, right? And so it sounds like, you know, they actually are getting dangerously powerful. And so how do you read those verses together? Is it, you know, are they powerful or are they too little? You know, which, how do you do that? Are you talking about, and you're talking about the verse after, right? Where it says, the Lord said, behold, they're one people, and they all, all have one language. Right. This is only yep. the beginning yeah, what yeah, they yeah. will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that God knew, like, we're made in the image of God, so humans are very unique in our abilities uh, to create, mm-hmm. to gather together, to create things, to become powerful. Mm-hmm. And God knew that they would become very, very powerful to their own demise and to the demise of his name. Mm-hmm. But if every single human being in the world was united for the exact same cause for the rest of their lives and every generation after that mm-hmm. took up that same cause and continued it for the rest of their lives, it would still be very small compared to God. Yeah, And so I think that's how you put them together. Uh, they're they're going to do this thing that's going to completely miss me. They're, they're going to be all about themselves and all about their prideful self-preservation. And that is dangerous. And that's yeah. dangerous, mm-hmm. and that will destroy them, mm-hmm. and even the power that comes with that will destroy them, and it will be real power. Yeah. But compared to me, 
it's small. I still have to come down and see that little tower you're building. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, I mean, it, it reminds me of the picture in Revelation uh, where, is it Revelation where, I'm just thinking of the the text where there's a, this, this mighty war going on and there's all these, there's all these uh, demonic powers uh, ravaging mm-hmm. uh, the earth and then one, one breath of Jesus right. and it's over, one word. You know, it's like that, that, that's the difference in power that mm-hmm. we're talking about here. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, anything else you, was there anything that you didn't have time to unpack like you wish you would have, or, you know, anything else you wanted to bring out from the text? The only other thing I, was, I thought about adding and just realized I didn't have enough time to develop it was just that um, to highlight in the, in the line of Ham, who was not a good guy. Yeah. In his line, we see like Canaan and Egypt and Babel and all these, all these places that end up being the enemies of God's people. Mm-hmm. But in there, we still have this guy named Nimrod. Uh, who is a, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that idea of before the Lord uh, carries in the New Testament with it this idea of faithfulness, like mm-hmm. he's, he's walking with the Lord. And so I was going to highlight just, you know, if you're here and you're in a family that's not following God, you know, you, have a, you don't have a legacy of faith. Mm-hmm. It's broken and mm-hmm. everything feels broken around you. God still works faithfulness in the broken places at times. Yep. Even if it doesn't create this long legacy or this long line, there's still hope in the midst of the, you know, the, the worst family trees. Right. So I was going to say that as kind of an aside, but there wasn't time. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how the line of promise continues to develop as we get to the story of Abram this next week. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. See ya.